Hi, my name is Liz Worth, and you are listening to the Life of Tarot podcast, where we talk to people who make tarot and divination a part of their everyday lives. All right, welcome to the podcast. I am here today with Teresa Reed, aka the Tarot Lady, and author of numerous books, which we're going to talk about today too. Welcome, Teresa. Hey, Liz. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you. I know, right? I know. Thank you so much for making the time. So one of the things I wanted to start off with talking to you about is that you've made a pretty significant transition in your career in recent years, where you've moved a lot of your work away from one-on-one tarot readings, which you had built up for a long time, right? You have a, a really, really great long-standing business and have transitioned more into focusing on writing. So I want to ask you about this pivot and what made you decide to make that change? Actually, you are largely responsible for that. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, I don't think you remember this. You know, it's really funny because after I had, yeah, I'm giving all the credit to you. And, and again, you might not remember this, but um, I had read for the public for 30 years. It's a long time to do this type of work. This work is actually very hard. I know there's a lot of people who think it's easy money. It's actually incredibly hard and it requires a lot of skill, but also a very thick skin. And I'm a very sensitive person. And after 30 years, I was starting to feel like I just don't think I want to be doing this anymore. And I had been writing, writing books then for a couple of years and my books were doing well. I was getting royalty payments. It was opening up opportunities to teach that turned out to be really good for me, et cetera, et cetera. So suddenly, you know, some things were really starting to shift for me. And um, I was really starting to think that I don't know how much longer I want to read for the public. And so I was on Facebook and I just said out loud on Facebook in five years, I'm only going to read for people I really like. And I just put that out there. This is on my private page. And you came on there and said, well, you can do that right now. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, I can stop reading for the public? Really? And I talked to my husband and I took that as a sign. I'm one of those people, mm-hmm. I see a lot of things as signs. And I took that as a sign and I said, you know what, maybe this is right. Maybe she is right. I mean, I built up the career for 30 years, the writing and teaching is going well. And then I heard a song. um, I forget the the group is AJR, I think they're called. It's a song about going out with a bang. And I said, you know what, that's it. That's my sign. Liz and this group. I don't even know this group really well. That's it. And so then what I did is I told people on social media, at the end of this year, I will no longer be reading for the public. So if you want to book your reading, book it now. And what ended up happening is my calendar filled immediately. And this was in June. Suddenly I was like slammed. And I'm like, oh my God, if there was ever another sign, that was it. And then that was it. And that was, I have not read for the public for three years now. And I'm just busy creating and writing and teaching which is where I want to be at this time. But again, I really give full credit to you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is a full circle moment, Liz. <laughs> Amazing. I had no idea. Um, I love that though. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's sometimes, sometimes these changes can be a lot easier than we think, right? Yep. When you just decide to set the intention and go off and do something. 
Absolutely. And sometimes you just need one person to say, hey, you know, uh, actually, you could do this. And, you know, I think, you know, also as tarot readers, oftentimes what we are doing is we're encouraging people. A lot of our work mm -hmm. is about encouraging people to live their best life, to go for the thing they want, to make that change, to cut those cords, whatever. And sometimes that's what we need. We need that encouragement and just having you, that one person amongst all the other people who don't want me to stop doing readings, say, oh, yeah, you could do that right now if you want. And I was like, holy cats. And I will never forget that. So again, I, I created the pivot and I just deeply appreciate that. Oh, amazing. Well, and I, I love that here we are talking about it now. <laughs> I know. It's, it's so weird. Life is weird. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever miss reading one-on-one -on -one at the same level you were before? Not at that same level. Mm -hmm. I was a high volume reader. And this is what a lot of people also don't understand. When you're doing like, like four to eight hours of readings a day, you've got to have a certain time of um, disposition for that because you are dealing with a lot of people coming into your energetic field with their issues and you know all of that and so it's very hard on your system and your nerves oftentimes at the end of the day I just tell my husband I need to shut up I don't want to talk to anybody I need to shut up I need to not talk I need to just immerse myself in some garbage right now to like just forget about all of it so you know it's it's very very hard on the nerves and so what do I miss about it? Or, you know, I don't miss reading for the general public, but of course there's certain people I miss, certain people I love. And it's like, you know, right now, it's just not the time for me to be reading for you. And, and we're still cool and all that, you know, so sometimes there are those things that I miss, but being reading also for the people versus the general public also is very different. As you know, when you're open to the general public, you also sometimes deal in this industry and maybe not so much as it used to be, but with a lot of abuse. And I've just had a lot of really not great experiences because the public can be mean, the public can be rude, they can be uh, really aggressive and expect a lot of things from you. And if you're someone who's a little introverted and sensitive like I am, that's really hard on the nerves. So do I miss reading for the general public? Not really, um, because it's better for my mental health and it's just better for my creativity. So, you know, ultimately the one is where I need to be. Now, will that ever change? Who knows? Maybe one day I'm gonna get a B in my bond and say, you know what, I need to read for the public again. Damn it, maybe I need someone to be a little rude to me. So <laughs> I might change my <laughs> mind. You know, the thing is we can always go back. We can always change. We can always test things out. Or I can just decide to read for certain people that I love and that might be just enough for me. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I don't know if you if you have found this, but, you know, for me, I find that tarot takes up a tremendous amount of creative energy. And so yes. it's it's actually quite challenging to have some kind of writing practice or other creative practice outside of a tarot business, because the level of concentration that tarot takes seems to eat into the same place in your mind or your spirit that your art comes from. I think that's not percent true. Because let me tell you, I was still reading full time when I wrote a few of my books. And it damn near killed me. And now I have the room to write and to teach. And I don't feel like this great pressure. And also, again, like I mentioned, 
it's very hard for the public at the end of the day you know i would just be so spent so burnt out um so tired and so like um out of my body as weird as that may sound very out of my body it would take the the whole evening to get back to my body back in my own energy and i have all kinds of spiritual practices and things i do but there are still those days you know you're dealing with people and you're opening up and tarot is all about we're opening up to receive information and to share it to you and we have to be open to that experience whether you like the reading or not so i mean it's it's very hard so how can you be creative when you are dealing with so much energy so what i would do back in the day i would be waking up early and doing my writing really early or doing it on the weekends which means i never had a day off mm -hmm. i've been working seven days we just to be able to write mm -hmm. and so now that i'm not dealing with the public i have time to write i can blog i can work on books i can work on creating classes and teaching and that seems again to energetically be better for me and as an introvert i'm not taking in all that energy and again, I don't think people understand it. I mean, I remember back in the day, I used to do parties. Parties and events were not good for me because you're, again, you're taking in all that energy. And I would come out of there and be like, I told my husband, I said, Jesus, I felt like I, you know, not to be graphic. I, well, I'm, I'm going to try to say a polite way. I felt like I was in some kind of a really sweaty, gross tarot orgy. I need to go home and get cleaned off. It wasn't good for me. I mean, I gave those up a long time ago. But even the one-on-one -on -one is very hard when you're a high volume reader. It's hard. You have no creative, you have no creative juice left at the end of the day, unless you are superhuman. And let me tell you also, the older you get, the more you need to conserve your creative energy. And that may sound really weird to some people, but now I get more tapped out. It's like, no, no, my day is creative. It's creative work. It's this work. And that's what it's going to be because this is how much time I have and this is how much energy i have and i'm really aware of that mm -hmm. yeah it's it's i i think it's quite hard for anyone who wants to write or do something else creative on uh, an ongoing larger scale to be selling off parts of their schedule for one-on-one -on -one, yes. one work too, because it's not just the the one on like the one-on-one -on -one reading it's not just that hour or whatever you're spending with a client it's all of the the preparation that leads up to that and mentally preparing because you can't get into deep work when you have meetings that day. It's, it's a, again, it's a really hard thing to do. It's totally. And then you have to make time if you have a book out there to market. Mm -hmm. So now you've got to do that on top of it. I mean, people also don't understand that when you are an author and you know, this is an author, we have to sell our work. Because publishers don't do all the work for us, you know, and for folks who are self-published, even more so, you have to market, you have to make time for that. So there are other things around our creative work, including the business side of our creativity, that take up a lot of time too. And when you are reading for the public, um, again, like you said, you have to get ready. And then also there's the other things. There is like, what if somebody's late? You have to contact them. You have to like let them know, hey, where are you? Uh, after if you tape the reading, then you have to do what you got to do to get that recording to them. So there's also all that extra time. So a one-hour reading is actually more like a two-hour out of your day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that's something I think people don't always understand from the outside. And I think you know it happens also with people who do one-on-one -on -one work who 
achieve a certain level of success in this because it is quite hard to get that, you know, that regular client base that a lot of people are looking for. But once you have that, then it's also very hard to protect your time when you're not reading because you do have people who expect you to be available all the time. Right. And so also having those really strong boundaries around when you're available and when you're off and when you're on can be a lot more challenging when you feel almost like people are pulling at you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or And sometimes what I found too, people would guilt me. Now, I do not like a guilt trip. My mother had a black belt in guilt trips. So it's always super triggering for me when people come at me like that. And it always ends up making me do the exact opposite. It's like, oh, now you're going to guilt me. I can't do this. Nope, not going to do that. You're not going to guilt me into doing this work. It makes me even more stubborn about it you know on the on the a couple occasions when i start thinking maybe i should go back and read for the public i'll always it seems that the universe again will always then have someone pop into my orbit that pulls a guilt trip maneuver and that always ends that thought immediately Mm. immediately so interesting um you know when i i think of again how you know how long your one-on-one practice ran for because it does it's you know i think to a lot of people that seems like the holy grail to think i you know to read tarot one-on-one for people for 30 years right again everyone's trying to get tarot businesses established and they're always wondering how do i get clients and how do i keep clients and these things can sound really exciting but at the same time they're limiting right to a certain extent because you only have so much time in the day and so much energy to go around but at the same time how much of those years of experience are now fueling all of the books that you're writing oh that's totally it if i did not have all the experience that i have i wouldn't feel comfortable sharing the information that i'm sharing because you know when i started out um this is before the internet too so we're talking a long time ago, and there was way bigger stigma around tarot than there is now. So I really felt like I had to go through the school of hard knocks. I had no mentor. I had no teacher. Everything was learned the hard way. Um, I just didn't have access to any of that. And so I have a lot of stories, a lot of experience, a lot of things, too, that I goofed up in the beginning that I just didn't know better. Um, things that I'm still learning because, you know, we can always learn better ways of doing our work and of serving people. You know, so if I didn't have that experience, God, I mean, if I tried to write a book after only reading for the public for two years, I would be doing a disservice because that is not going to really, really be helpful to folks. It's not going to be, I mean, I don't know what the word is that I want to use here, but I can tell when someone's putting information out there and they haven't been doing their work a long time. I can tell. I can tell. It's like, you don't know what you're talking about you have got some illusion about what this work is really like. And so I really am grateful that it took me all those years to learn how to do all this stuff because it has been, again, instrumental for the writing that I do. Uh, The book that I have coming out in October is all about reading for people who are, or for yourself, who are dealing with loss and illness and caregiving and grieving. And that is a very, very heavy topic. And I've just seen too many people do harmful readings around those topics. 
and really messed people up. And I'm like, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. It's something that I enjoy doing. And let me help people so that they do helpful readings and don't cause harm. Why? Because that's stuff I learned the hard way through doing the work. You need that experience. You really do. Mm -hmm. Wow. That, that topic sounds amazing. And uh, it's definitely something I can relate to as well. And what you're saying, you know, it makes me want to ask a, a somewhat maybe controversial question, which is that, you know, what you're, you're talking about is something that uh, it touches on, I think what's happening right now in publishing and in the tarot industry and the, the, you know, larger umbrella topic of new age in general, which is that tarot is really popular right now and astrology is really popular and witchcraft is really popular, but you sometimes see books and, and tarot decks coming out on the market that feel really rushed and that sometimes seem like they're given to people who might be really successful on social media, but are, are not necessarily running successful businesses and may not have that type of client experience. Um, and I, I, I can't help but wonder if that's why some, you know, some things that are coming out do have that more kind of superficial feel to them uh, than books that are written by people who do have another level uh, and depth of experience. I have a lot to say about that. First of all, <laughs> one thing I do want to say, I also, I always come back to the thing that Mary Greer, Mary Kay Greer, of course, our lady of great tarot wisdom, Mary Kay Greer, her and Rachel Pollack, but Mary said, tarot is an outlaw profession. I love that line. But what's happened over the years, and this is again, internet, is that tarot and astrology and the like have become more mainstream. And as an old school punk rocker, the one thing I remember is when punk went mainstream, it got really watered down. It got super watered down. And you would have a lot of bands that are like, but you're not Sid Vicious you're trying to be Sid Vicious, or you're this or that, and you're trying to be it. And they're more, they became more concerned with the image and the marketing part. And they really lost sight of what the original punk rock was all about. And what was it all about? It was, you know, anybody who's old school like me, a lot of it was working class people. They were um, having, you know, a lot of issues over in England and in New York. And the, the music was a backlash to the slickly produced stuff and all the corporate crap. And so it was pure rebellion. That's why they called it punk. But it lost it. It really lost it. And I'm not going to diss any modern bands because I'm not going to do that. You know, that's your jam. All right. But the original punk rock, when it first came out, it was shocking. It was subversive. It scared the parents. And then it got watered down. So when I look at what's happening in tarot and astrology and all of that, I'm like, a lot of it's getting watered down. And while on one hand, the, the internet has made it more accessible, I applaud that. I really applaud that a great deal. It's put tarot and astrology in the hands of so many more people and they can use it to help themselves. Bravo. But it's also created these influencer or social media personalities. This is the first part I want to cover that um, are more about the personality and they're more about their marketing and their branding than they are about growing their craft. It's like some of them, and I'm not gonna name names, have picked up a book, learned a couple things, 
and they have an attractive social media profile. So suddenly you're going to think, wow, this person might know something and they've only been reading for a year or two. They might even still be on the books. And those people are going to create some harm. One of the things too, when I used to have my own podcast, I started getting a lot of people reaching out wanting to be on the podcast. And I would look at some of these people, they had amazing social media profiles. But I would ask them some simple questions about, you know, what is your lineage? You know, who did you learn from? What books influence you? Uh, how much experience have you ever taught tarot? If so, where? They couldn't answer it. And that became a problem for me. And I ended up leave, allowing one of these people to do an interview with me. And as we're doing the interview, I could tell they didn't know what they were talking about. I had to edit almost the entire, I had to edit out so much crap to make that interview even palatable. And I got done with that. I'm like, this is a problem. We've, Houston, we've got a problem. And I remember also reading an article somewhere, I don't remember where, about astrology. At the end of the interview, and it was a, a young new astrologer who was quite popular. The interviewer asked her about an ephemeris, and this person didn't know what an ephemeris was. That is basic astrology. Now, for someone who's old school, who had to learn the hard way, let me tell you something. That really feels like a slap in the face. Because we've been in the tarot trenches forever and a day. And, you know, maybe my profile is in this or that. And you get all this attention and press, but you don't know what the hell you're talking about. And you're more concerned with your branding than your craft. And you have to continuously, I speak all the time on education. You have to continuously take classes, read books, and learn, and practice. And I mean, even me, as old as I am, I'm still reading books. A new tarot book comes out, you, yeah, let me check it. I want to see what they're saying. I want to know what they're saying. Um, I want to get a different perspective. I mean, that is how you become a better reader. You learn, you grow, you practice, and practice, and practice, and practice. And one time I was on social media talking about that, and I actually ended up making somebody really angry. And this person then went around attacking me, thinking I was gatekeeping. I'm like, no, I'm talking about making sure we are responsible by getting some experience and continuing our education so we can be the best version of readers. Your branding doesn't mean crap at the end of the day if you can't back it up with wisdom. Now, part two to this that I want to talk about are these decks that are coming out. This gets me really salty. So I love to do live unboxings of decks. Why? Because of course I love all new tarot decks. I love supporting artists. I live with an artist. I especially love those indie decks, like grabbing them and showing them. Sometimes people will gift me a deck and say, please unbox it. Sure. And, you know, for the most part, it's been really enjoyable. However, there's been a new trend. And there have been decks that have been coming out. And these decks are based around pop culture. And so, of course, it's like, oh, ooh, a deck based on my favorite show. How exciting. You know, and I'll get the deck. And I had one recently, and I couldn't even hide my displeasure. Every single one will have a fully illustrated major arcana, and the minors are a rush job. They do Marseille style. Marseille style, for people who don't know what that is, Rider-Waite-Smith means they're fully illustrated. That's Rider-Waite-Smith style. Marseille is like the old school where you just see, like, for example, for wands, you just see six wands. And that's what you see. Now, I started with Marseille, so I have a soft spot for it. But suddenly I'm looking at these decks, and I'm like, you are rushing these. The quality is crap. Sometimes the art is crap, but it's based on a popular, you know, show or theme. And so I understand what these publishers are doing. They're capitalizing on two markets, tarot lovers, 
but also people who love maybe the show or the music or this or that. So now they're able to pull all kinds of people in and make a shitload of money. But what's happening for the tarot readers, we're looking at this and it's a disappointment. It's like, you rushed this deck. This deck blows. And so I was doing a deck recently and I was online. I opened, I was excited. I'm like, oh yeah, this is going to be cool. And then I got to those miners and I said, oh, here's another one of these. And I was mad. Now, some of the people who write the books in there, are, they're doing good work. It's the art. And even if the artist is good, it's a rush job, I can tell. And so recently, I had one of those publishers reach out to me. And I've got a new thing that I'm doing. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not doing these decks anymore. Mm -mm, you don't get free publicity. And they wrote to me and they said, oh, yeah, we want to send you blah, blah, blah. And I looked at the deck. I'm like, oh, you're only showing the minors in your or the majors in your advertising. And I know what that means. And, um, you know, uh, so I wrote to them, I said, Oh, okay, well, I might be interested, because I like the topic. But are your minors fully illustrated, Rider Waite Smith? Or are they Marseille style? The person didn't write me back. The deck never arrived, because they probably didn't know the difference. And second of all, they knew that I'm having an attitude with this. I also had another deck that I was gifted recently by a publishing house, no names mentioned. Because again, I never want to harm the artist. And I looked at it and I'm like, I'm not going to unbox this live. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to look at this myself. And sure enough, it was again, a very hastily produced, none of the minors were illustrated. And also the art was bad. It was really crap. I love the topic. But here again, what we have is, and this is where we have problems with capitalism and mainstream. Everything is a rush job now when it comes to these decks. You have to be very discerning about what you're getting because you're probably going to end up really being mad if you buy one on your favorite TV show and you discover then that maybe the book is great and some of the art is good, but half the deck is unusable if you're not a Marseille fan. So you've got to vet them out carefully. And we've got to also, as uh, tarot readers, we've got to bitch to these publishers so they stop doing this. So they start seeing, we don't want that. We want you to pay your artists well and I know they're not paying those artists well. Otherwise, those artists wouldn't be churning this out. We want you to pay your artists and your writers really well. And we want beautiful decks. We want a beautiful deck. Now, the indie creators, on the other hand, which to me are so punk rock, they're producing these decks that are raising the bar. Beautiful quality, gilded edges. Some of the smaller publishers, Liminal 11, and my publisher, Wiser, are doing beautiful decks. Good quality. I want to see that. And we're not going to see that if we don't raise a stink with these big publishers who are capitalizing on tarot's popularity and churning crap out and, that we can't use. So my two senses, while again, in a nutshell, I'm thrilled that tarot's more accessible, but it's really opened it up for people to do a lot of harm or to create a lot of bad art. I know that was a mouthful. Sorry about that. No. I mean, this gets me hot. <laughs> Both of these. Yeah, I, I, I think that these things are important to talk about, especially also for people who are, who would like to write a book or are curious about the process of being published, because this is a real challenge for authors right now and artists who work on tarot decks or who are designers who create book covers and that kind of thing. And anyone who might want to be collaborating on such a project, right? Is that it, it is a challenge to 
I think right now, get people to say yes to you. And it's always been a competitive space, right? I've been writing professionally for 20 years and you know, sometimes it takes a lot. You got to go through a lot of rejection just to get someone to say yes to a manuscript. Um, but now, you know, there there's a very real issue with some publishers, not all, luckily. There, there's still uh there's still people in the industry who are taking other factors into consideration, but some publishers want to know, do you have a mailing list? Do you have social media? Are you on TikTok? How many followers do you have? And they're not looking at the merit of the work or the idea or other aspects, perhaps of your experience or expertise on a subject. They just want to know, do you have a built-in audience that they'll be able to sell this book to when it comes out? And yeah, sales are important, but publishing should also be moving a conversation forward, right? It should be helping a practice or a craft to evolve, uh, to come into modern times and to also start be starting to step into whatever its next iteration is too. And that's really hard to do when it's being turned into a popularity contest. Amen. And I mean, and I'm not a pick me girl. I'm not going to be one of those people raise my hand, pick me, pick me and try to go along with something. I am who I am. And this is what I'm interested in. And if I'm not writing about what I'm interested in, then I'm not going to do it either. And, you know, so I, that's my rebellious side speaking out, but I do see sometimes people getting deals and then you read the book later and it's like, okay, we understand now why you got that book deal. And maybe they've got a large following, maybe they're, you know, really, really charismatic. But when you read the book, if you have the background and experience, you're going to know if somebody really knows their shit or if they're blowing, excuse my French, hot air, you know, so it's it's really disappointing. I, I had um, one book that I got from somebody who's well-known and has a big platform. And I got that book and I'm like, this is not a usable book. This book is not usable at all, at all. There's very little in here that I'm gonna glean that's gonna be helpful to me, helpful to anybody I might read for. Uh, it just It just wasn't very good. And I could tell that even though this person seems like they know what they're doing, there's something, there's some element missing. Something's missing. I can smell it a mile away. And that sucks because, you know, we want people to get stuff they're going to use, stuff that's going to help them, stuff that's going to make you a better reader or stuff that's going to at least give you enough information so you can begin diving into a topic that you love. So it's frustrating when I see those kinds of things going out there. And again, you can always tell. Mm -hmm. Does this become fuel or fire for your own ideas, though? Not at all. I'm no? always like very self-contained. <laughs> I'm very self. Okay, so again, I am actually a very, very stubborn person. I'm very self-contained. I tend to mind my own business and stay in my lane unless it gets presented to me. That's the only time I see this stuff. It gets presented to me. I'm never out there looking on the web saying who's the most popular person. I don't care about it. I'm busy. I'm really, really, really busy and I'm super self-contained. And I've always been a very individualistic person, even from the time I was a little girl, that I only care about doing what I'm doing. I don't care about what anyone else is doing. I'm not someone who has my eyes on the other, the other lane, the other prize, someone else's paper. I'm busy and I know what I like. And when I like something, I'm obsessed about the things I like and love. And that's where my energy is directed. So it's never, ever influenced by what anyone else is doing. I don't care. Whatever you're doing, I might look and say, wow, that's really cool. That's great. Oh, I love that book. I love that idea. 
but it never ever influences my ideas or what I'm doing. My stuff all comes from, this is what I want to do. This is what's meaningful. This is what's important to me. See a need for something. So it comes from that space. And, you know, I mean, I am like rarely, rarely um, interacting. Like for example, I don't, have, I don't join any like Facebook groups for tarot. Uh, I'm never in any of those groups. You'll never find me there. I just don't, I don't exist there. I don't get involved in any kind of like groups outside of uh, my home where I'm meeting people and doing meetups. I don't do any of that. And I, first of all, I don't have time. Second of all, I'm not interested. I just want to do what I want to do and not get bothered. And I don't want to be influenced by anything unless I really feel like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. You know, so that's, maybe makes me sound like I'm myopic or whatever. I like to say I'm self-contained. I tend to mind my own business. I stay out of the drama and I stay out of other people's tarot business unless it shows up on my lap, shows up on my desk, or someone asks my opinion. I mean, it's even like with these tarot decks, I probably wouldn't be saying jack about it, except these publishers sent me these decks and then I started getting pissed because, <laughs> and I know again, and I'm going to come back to this one thing. I know they're not paying those artists well enough. I know they're not. And I just want artists. I want artists, writers, creatives, musicians, all the creative people, tarot readers, astrologers. I want them to get paid well. And to get paid well, first of all, you gotta be you gotta be asking for it and fighting for it. But second of all, we gotta make sure that we are good at our craft so we can command that and not say, well, maybe I should just no, don't take that. Mm -mm. Make them pay you. Mm. Pay you well. Mm -hmm. Good advice. Yeah. So how do you feel like having spent so much time doing intuitive work helps you as a writer now? Does your intuition drive any of your ideas or drive the way you write your books? Absolutely. Because for me, first of all, when I would do tarot readings, I'm an intuitive tarot reader. And basically what an intuitive tarot reader does is we understand the structure of the tarot deck. We understand all the traditional meanings, which you do need to know. But intuition kicks in as soon as we lay down those cards and suddenly I'm seeing stories unfold and information comes to me like a ticker tape in my head. I mean, that is the best way to describe it. It comes so fast that I end up, I have to talk fast because the stuff's coming faster than my mouth can keep up. So, you know, sometimes people would, when they'd get a phone reading, they thought I was reading a script and I'm like, no, I'm not reading a script. The information's coming. Don't talk. Let me do it. Let it flow. And so when I write, it's very much like that too. I will sit down, boom, and then all of a sudden, it's almost like automatic writing. I just start, I know my topic, I know what I wanna talk about, and I let it rip. And of course, I've gotta go back and edit a million times, but that's my writing process. Initially, it's all stream of consciousness, all of it. Even when I do my card of the day, I do that on like Patreon and whatnot, it's all stream of consciousness. It's always let it, let it just flow. Let it come, let it come. Let's trust the muse. Let's not try to control the muse. Let's trust her. And then take that look back and say, what the hell did I just say? <laughs> Sometimes, I, I don't know, does this ever happen to you where you write something and later on you look at it like, damn, I wrote that? What the hell, what was I on? I don't remember writing this. Do you ever have that? Oh, that happens to me all the time. And sometimes I look at things I've written. I'm like, wow, I'm really impressed with myself when I see that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And even like some of the ideas I get, like sometimes I'll be sitting around. I'm like, I've got an idea mm -hmm. or, or, or a title will come to me. And I just know I've got to write it. I just know it has to happen. 
my book, Tarot, No Questions Asked, when I wrote that one, I, I was, it was eating at me. I'm like, I want to make a tarot manual with all my tarot sizes in it. And I'm even going to have a little business section in the back. And I just thought about it, thought about it, thought about it, thought about it. And then finally the title came to me. And I'm like, oh my God, of course, tarot, no questions asked. I never ask questions when I do a tarot reading. And I approached Wiser and they snatched it up. And I'm really grateful. And it's interesting with that book. That book has been a dark horse. It's done very well. It's not out there splashy like some of the other tarot books that other folks have done, but it's done remarkably well. And it's just on the down low. And I just felt that book. It's like, I felt that book. That book I wrote so fast because the book was like everything I knew and then some, and it just poured out of me. But that was my intuition saying, yeah, this book has to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it when ideas just come like that and you can just respond and and let it come through you. Do you feel like, because you also write, a, write about astrology and, and these are both huge topics I mean, I wonder, you know, do these things inspire you or do they own you or is it a little bit of both? Oh, my God, they inspire me. Mm-hmm. I love astrology and tarot. I mean, I love them. And I think you can tell because I'm obsessed with, like I said, when I'm into something, I'm really into it. I mean, same like with my love life. When I'm really into you, you know it. You know I'm into you. There is no like, oh, do we, does she like me or not? No, you know. Um, I'm like super direct. I've got Aries on my seventh house cusp. I'm direct. I've got a moon and scorpions. I'm like super obsessed when I'm into something. So God help the poor person. I mean, Mr. Tarot lady. Oh my God. Thank God he can put up with me. But um, it took me five years to get that man too. Five years. <laughs> but finally it happened. <laughs> you know what? I, I was like, okay, it's it, this is going to happen. And But that's the, the thing for me. When I'm into something, I'm into it. There's never half-assing something. If I'm half-assing something, it means I'm not that into it. You know, so if I'm kind of like doing something, exploring something, like, oh, I tried crocheting for a while. I'm like, oh, it's kind of fun. Then, yeah, I got sick of it. But when I'm into something, it lasts. It's same like some of my long-term friendships. I've got friends that I, I met back in high school that were still friends. And even if we don't talk for like a million years, when we get back together, it's like no time has passed. We remember all those details. And I love that. Um, but tarot and astrology, it's a passion. I'm in love with that tarot and astrology. I love using them. Notice the words I'm using. I use them. And here we talk a little astrobabble. I've got Capricorn intercepted in my third house. So I'm always looking for something that's going to benefit me. If it's not benefiting me, why am I doing it? And tarot and astrology have made my life better. They don't control me. They don't use me. What I do when I look at tarot and astrology for myself, I look at my astrology every day. And I'm like, okay, what's going on here? All right. Now I know to be careful today or to make a bold move. I mean, I use astrology for my business, which sounds nuts to some people, but I don't make a business move until I look at the stars first. Everything I do, it's always by the stars. So I make sure I look at the energy. Does that mean every single thing turns out? No. I mean, you can never predict something. Sometimes human prediction or the way we think it's going to turn out, the stars and cards are accurate, but later on we're like, oh shit. Not quite the way I expected, though. And tarot readings, I again, I also use tarot readings as I use astrology. If I need information on a situation so I can make a good decision, I'm going to lay out those damn cards. You know, I have a lot of fun with it, but I also feel it's very usable. So I got this deck recently from Baba Rock Studios, and I saw it. And I had to buy it. It's called the Bohemian Fortune Telling Cards. They're in a little wooden box. 
And Baba Rock, for people who don't know them, they make some beautiful decks. My favorite deck of all time is the Bohe Baroque Bohemian Cats Tarot. They're coming out with the second edition. That's Baba Rock Studios. They're amazing. So anyhow, I had to get this deck, and I'm like, well, i got to look at this. I, I need to see this deck. And it's vintage -y, and I love vintage -y stuff. And so my daughter and I, every morning, have been pulling cards so I can learn this deck. And they've been remarkably accurate. And sometimes, though, it hasn't been the way we expected. And at the end of the day, we're like, oh, my God, that did work out, but not the way we thought it. So I tend to look at it all with openness, and I want to use it as a tool, and I want to see what it says and be curious. I mean, and that's what a good love relationship should be. I mean, that sounds weird when I say using, but a good person in your life is going to make you a better person. Your life becomes better when you're in a good relationship. So it's not like you use it, but a relationship can help you to become the best version of you if it's a healthy one. And always with a good relationship, we're always curious. We're always open-minded. We go with the flow, see how it develops, all of that. And so tarot and astrology are very much like that for me, but also so is creative work. Creative work is a relationship. Um, again, I want to like use my creativity in a good way to help people, but I want to see what happens. Remain curious, ebb and flow. It's mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are, do, are there ever other types of writing that you'd like to do outside of these topics? Uh, I'm really, I'm a very boring person Okay. because again, <laughs> I like what I like. Um, you know, I'm never going to write fiction. I got a vivid imagination, but you know, I'm not going to write that. Some people say you should write a memoir. I'm like, eh, those the best stories are going to my deathbed. Nah, it would be, mm, we're not doing that. We're going to leave some of those stories alone. Um, I'd love to write a cookbook one day because cooking is my other passion. But will it happen? Who knows? I don't know. But we'll see. I'd like to write maybe more children's books. I really enjoy that. But mainly I want to continue to stick in my wheelhouse, which is tarot and astrology. And I have ideas for those books that I do want to write. And I'm actually actively working on developing a few of those ideas right now. They're in oh, development. Amazing. There's no proposal. There's nothing. Mm -hmm. They're developing. And I'll probably be developing. Um, I've got two ideas right now. I, it will probably take me about two years to develop them. And then I'll be able to decide whether or not it's going to become an actual book. So I'm actually developing two things behind the scenes. Okay. So is that part of your process then? You you take that time to see if the the idea is viable and you can flesh it out in the way that you envision it depends some things are an instant boom go oh my god i gotta do this and then there's other things it's like this is an idea i think it could work i'm not ready yet i'm going to test this and develop it and feel it out and then i'll decide i think that depends do you find mm -hmm. that too with your writing yeah, I mean, I love, you know, I just find it's so refreshing just to hear a slow approach, right? Because like we were saying earlier, everything feels like it's so fast. And I think a lot of a, a lot of small business owners and artists feel a lot of pressure to just get things out as soon as possible, because we often also don't have a lot of security, right? So I, I think there's always yeah. pressure for people, you know, even novelists who are indie authors, right? You see people cranking out books all the time because um, they just need to sell the next thing, right? So uh, I love the the refreshingness of, um, of the slow approach because uh, 
I, I think sometimes it's it's easy to lose sight of that these days and, and really yes. take your time to develop an idea and develop your craft. But for me, you know, it's 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 different with every project. I find some some books that I've done have happened fast or I think as fast as uh, would make sense for them. Uh, my tarot books, both of those I felt quite, yeah, quite obsessed with when I was working on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I think when I'm really in the current of an idea, it's very easy for me to, to yeah, just kind of keep going with it. I've had other projects, uh, my most recent novel, my vampire novel, that book took me quite a while to write because just because there was a lot going on in my personal life, you know, both of my parents died during the process of writing that book. And there's a lot of, just, you know, a lot of things that were taking up a lot of energy and time for me in other ways. Right. And, um, and so I just didn't have as much time to really be focusing on writing. Uh, but I think, you know, what, what you're also describing does remind me, um, a lot about writing fiction, uh, even though you're writing nonfiction, right. Because it, it's really, I think a lot of people have ideas for novels, but once you start writing the novel, no matter how, you know, whether you outline it or not, and some people outline and some people don't, but no matter what, you know, sometimes when you're, something's in your imagination and then you start to move it into physical form and into reality of our our three-dimensional world, you start to realize it's just not what you thought it was going to be. Right. And, and sometimes, sometimes books are like that. And I think a lot of people end up with sort of half, half finished manuscripts for those reasons. And that's okay. That's, I think that's part of the creative process. It leads you to your next idea. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. My daughter writes historical fiction. And one of the things that blows me away because, you know, you have notions, because I write nonfiction, I always had notions on what fiction writing was like. And it's not like what I thought it was at all. She does a tremendous amount of research and makes files. And I mean, the stuff that goes into the writing that she does blows me away. It's actually, same with writing nonfiction, it's a lot harder than it looks. Writing a book is not easy. And like you said, the books too, sometimes things take shape in different ways. And Sometimes you start something, you don't want to finish it because suddenly it's like, this idea actually blows. And I've had that happen where I started working on something like, "Mm -mm. nope, mm -mm. this is not going to happen. This is dead in the water. Bye. And so I have some half-finished things that just didn't take shape. And I can always tell as I'm going along when it's just, it's not coming together and there's probably a good reason for it. One of the things that I'm testing right now, it's a book that has already been a topic that's already been covered by other people, but I have a different spin on it. And there's a lot of, I'm not going to talk about the topic because I always keep it on the down low, but I've seen other books on the topic and I can also tell when some of them have been rushed through. Once again, I can tell, and I don't want to do that. I'm like, I'm going to put a lot of care into this. I'm going to take my time so that it can really, really convey the information the way it needs to be conveyed and not just slap dash hurry superficial because how the hell is it going to help anybody it won't it needs Mm -hmm. time it needs Mm -hmm. to cook it's like you're doing slow cooking slow cooking is wonderful i love slow cooking uh slow cooking for those also who might not know it's like where you're taking all this time to like cook this really elaborate meal and i cook really super elaborate food and my daughter's actually the opposite here's where we're very different she wants to like hurry up and get it done she can still make a good meal 
But for me, if it takes me seven hours to make it, well, now I'm happy. Now it feels like I really put my soul into this. And so same with like sometimes when you're really percolating on a project and you're taking your time and you're savoring it and you're researching and you're thinking and you're coming back to it and pulling it back out. I don't know if this is just me. Maybe you can, doesn't that feel kind of like really soul satisfying when you're not in a hurry where you're really going deep, deep, deep. I love that. I love it when I get lost in my writing where I'm so into something suddenly five hours went by. What the hell? And I like that when I cook. If I can have a five-hour meal, now I'm happy. Mm -hmm. I love that comparison. I think that's perfect for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, food is everything, but so is creativity and food is creative and goes hand in hand. So of course, chefs are some of the most creative people I know. I love chefs. Yeah. What has been an unexpected challenge for you so far in your writing career? The unexpected challenge. Ooh, I enjoy the writing process. I've, I've had very good luck with my publishers. They've been very kind. And so I've been blessed with people who are fantastic to work with. I've had amazing collaborations. Shaheen Miro and I have collaborated on a few things. So those other things have been good. I think the hardest thing for me is sometimes dealing, here goes back to that introvert, with the public. Like you put something out there and people get funny with you sometimes. The, I mean, you meet a lot of amazing people. They love your work. You've touched their lives. Nothing feels better than knowing for me that I've been able to help somebody understand tarot or astrology better. When I get emails like that, I mean, my heart sings. It's like, good. My mission is being, my mission is out there in the world. It's happening. It's so freaking lovely to know you've been able to help somebody. Nothing is better. That's why I did my tarot work all those years. I want to help people. Well, with the books, I want to help you. I want you to realize you're, you can learn tarot. You can learn astrology. Don't think you can't get it. I know you can get it. I'm going to help you get it. I'm going to help you to be a better reader. I'm going to help you to feel comfortable with astrology. I'm, I'm not going to talk over you. These things really make my world great. But sometimes when you deal with the public also, you deal with some not so nice people. And I mean, I remember when the Carol Coloring Book, before it even came out, um, I was on Goodreads and I got my first review and it was a one-star review. This is my first review. And the person said, this is not an original idea. And I'm like, oh, and I was like horrified. I'm like, oh my God. And then I'm like, oh my God, I got my first terrible review out of the way. Good. Now I can grow a scab over that and forget about it. I'm just not going to read reviews anymore. Forget about it. I don't need that. I don't need that energy. But things like that or dealing with sometimes peers who get weird with you has been really, really hard for me, more so than the public. The public, for the most part, has been quite lovely. And I've met some of the most amazing people at book signings and classes. I've gotten beautiful emails. But occasionally, there's been a rotten apple here or there. And occasionally, I've had really weird things with peers. And I don't like that because I like to think I'm like Gamera. Do you remember Gamera from the Godzilla movies? Friend of yeah. all children. I want to be friends with everybody. And so when it happens then that suddenly you get something strange from a peer, it's like, whoa, that's strange. Why are you competing with me? I'm here to help you. Ew. So I think that's the hard part. It is the writing process, the publishing thing. I don't mind the marketing. 
I love meeting my public. I love connecting with people and helping them. But occasionally when I deal with someone who's mean or a peer who acts really funky with me, um, yeah, that kind of, that part sucks. That's the hard part for me. And I know mm. that probably has nothing to do with writing or the creative process, but it sucks. It can really impact your mood, your day. And sometimes it's like, you know what? I'm just going to go in my little shell here and just out and I'm staying far away from this because I don't need mean stuff. I don't like mean anything. I'm never mean like that ever. Ever, yeah, ever, those ever. those things can be strange. I think sometimes that comes from, you know, when someone has a book published or someone is taking a, a really big step forward in their work in some way, it does stir up insecurities and in others sometimes who might feel like maybe they're having a slow year, maybe they're having a, they're having trouble getting their own project off the ground or it's been a while since they've had a project out or something. And I think that that's where a lot of that comes from but it is it is a challenge for sure i think especially in this industry because even though tarot is so popular and so many people like it and a lot of people do it and same with astrology when you get down to it and you start to look around at how many people actually do this work full time it's a very small pool of people and so it is weird when you realize that that very small pool of people isn't always a hundred percent supportive of each other. It can feel strange. It's very strange. And I think we have to cheer each other on because it's a hard industry. We've got to cheer each other on. We've got to tell everybody about other people's work. And if there is somebody new to the industry, we have to cheer them on too and encourage them. Keep studying, keep learning, keep doing what you're doing. Go on, do it, go for it, go for it. I think it's important also, especially for us who've been in the industry for a long time, the elders, because now I'm officially like kind of a senior citizen, we've got to encourage these younger readers so that they really maintain their passion and keep learning and growing. We should be cheering on our peers all the time, all the time. And it really sucks when some people feel that they can't do that or that someone else's success is a threat. And that's one of the things I like to say, my success is not a threat to you at all. Mm -hmm. In fact, I mean, I'm going to probably be cheering your ass on. So let's do this. It's hard to make it in tarot and astrology. You know, one of the things that I've been very fortunate about too in my career, I live in Milwaukee and the tarot scene here is very small. It is very friendly. Every once in a while, another rotten apple shows up and tries to wreck it. But for the most part, those of us who've been at it a long time here, we all know each other. We've always shared work together. We will sometimes hang out together. It's really, it's a very, again, a very small little group, but it's very kind. And super supportive. One of the people who's been reading here even longer than me is Mary Ellen. I love Mary Ellen. Mary Ellen's hilarious. She's a great reader. Uh, I always tell people, you want to read her now? Go to Mary Ellen. You know, we have always shared work because Mary and I have been probably on the scene longer than anybody here. Um, but even some of the newer readers were, were always like welcoming and all of that. There's been very, very little weirdness here, but it does happen once in a while, once in a great while. But for the most part, we share each other's work and we always are talking very well about each other. There's never any of that gross stuff. Mm -hmm. Should mm -hmm. be like that in all communities, online mm -hmm. and off. Let's be, or, you know, at the very least, if you don't like someone's work, you don't have to talk about it. Mm -hmm. If you don't think they, I guess, deserve their kudos, then don't talk about it. Leave that alone. Go focus mm -hmm. on your own stuff. Keep your eyes on your own tarot paper then. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's always the best way forward, right? It's, it's just, you know, if you don't like a book someone has written, then write your own. Yeah. Write your own. Come up yeah. with your own topic. Yeah. Do it yeah. up, you know, rock and roll. Let's do it. <laughs> So my last question for you today on that note of challenges is what has been an unexpected blessing on this path so far? On the tarot path or writing path? On the writing path. Well, the fact that I get to do it is a blessing. I am so, so grateful that I even get to do it. I mean, I remember being a little girl and I would always be writing a lot, journaling, writing stories and poems and writing on any scrap, reading every book I could get my hands on. So I think somewhere in the back of my head, I knew I would be a writer. Um, I didn't know how it would happen, but I knew somewhere it would happen. And the fact that I get to do this, I mean, I don't want to get all teary-eyed and all that. I feel so privileged and grateful and blessed. I mean, so many people want to do it and don't do it or can't do it for whatever reason. I get to write. That is the most glorious thing in the world. I get to share this information. I get to share it to people. I might get to impact someone's life. That is the biggest blessing. I, I mean, I don't care about, you know, I'm not someone who's driven by money. I don't give a shit about that. I want to do what I want to do. And that's the main thing. And that is the blessing. I get to do this? Really? Sit at my desk and write today? Ooh, that is the best, the best thing in the world. Nothing better. Amazing. I love that. Well, Teresa, thank you so much for taking the time. I feel like we could chat all day about all of these things and more. Uh, so we'll have to do it again at some point. But before we wrap up, do you want to let everyone who's listening know where they can find you and your books? Absolutely. Uh, my books are available wherever books are sold, online or off. And of course, you can always request that your local metaphysical shops, your indie shops, indie bookstores, and your libraries, you can request that they can carry the books too. Uh, but they they can be found anywhere. Uh, again, thank God for the internet so we can find it. Uh, and people can find me. My website is thetarolady.com. And I'm all over social media, generally as at the tarot lady. I think on TikTok, though, I had to put official because someone grabbed my damn handle, which sucks. Um, but those are the places to find me. And, you know, all most of the big stuff happens over my website, thetarolady.com. Great. Thank you once again. And thanks to everyone for listening. We'll see you again soon. You've been listening to the Life of Tarot podcast hosted by Liz Worth. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about tarot, please join me over at my website at lizworth.com. Thanks again and hope to talk to you again soon.